It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code Locked On for a 50% deposit bonus. It is a crossover Thursday on the show. The guest is Deuce Windham of Houdat Confessional. He hosts the Scouting Academy podcast, contributes to ESPN 97.7 and SB Nation. He's all over the place down there in the bayou. Deuce, how you doing? Doing pretty well this morning. Looking forward to uh, the game we got coming up this week. Nice to have both our teams back in the playoffs. Absolutely, it is. It's good to see some fresh blood in the NFC. Uh, you also host a podcast called Who Dat Confessional, which I appeared on last night, and, and you guys sort of asked me what you guys were, were thinking about this game, and I'm going to do the same with you today and hit on some of these key talking points. And I want to go back to the beginning that the Saints were coming into, into this season. Seven and nine, three consecutive years. They start zero and two. From that point, you finish the season eleven and three. How surprising has this season been for New Orleans fans, especially after the rough start you had? I think for the most part, all of us who watch the Saints, you know, prepare what they were doing in training camp, you could tell that the season was going to be better. But I, none of us expected them to go on the streak they did. I mean, there was a lot of infusion of new talent and better talent. So we expected things to get better, but it was also one of those situations where it's going to take time. So those first couple of games were rough, but to be expected. And a lot of us actually expected the losing streak to go on a little bit longer before they found themselves. Uh, now, in terms of how they ended, though, you know, winning the division, especially sweeping a division opponent, now beating them a third time, None of that was expected. So that, that's been a huge cherry on top. Uh, I was really shooting for them to be a nine, maybe ten win team if things really swung their way towards the end of the season. But they managed to find their groove and, as they'll tell you, their swagger early on. And that's really impacted how they played. Going on the A-game win streak really set them up for success. Looking back at the Adrian Peterson signing, people in Minnesota – generally knew that Peterson was fool's gold at this point. I think ever all the Vikings faithful suspected that he was dried up and that he probably wouldn't have a lot of success wherever he went. Was there a sense in New Orleans that, well, maybe we could get something out of this guy. Maybe he is going to help the running game. Uh, and then obviously, I'm sure some great disappointment when you eventually saw what he offered with three yards per carry through four games. Uh, what was the vibe around Peterson going into the year? And then obviously once the year got started. Well, the thing with Peterson, and first of all, it's a great name. You love to have a Hall of Famer on your team, and I think everybody gets some level of excitement when that happens, even if they're towards the end of their career. You know, because there's always that hope that they'll have one last gasp, you know, where they have a great year left in the tank and they can do something. Uh, but with Peterson, and this is a lot how the NFL designs and operates their player development and how you, you build a roster. We have free agency before we actually have the NFL draft. And, you know, with the Saints losing Tim Hightower, they lost that backup running back that they rely on. Sean Payton, even going all the way back to his times as the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants, has always run a, a duo or sometimes trio running back system. He doesn't like to take one guy and make them a 300, 350 carry a year bell cow. So, 
Ingram the entire time was always planned to be the number one guy. There was no chance in New Orleans, at least no thought inside the actual Saints facility that Peterson was going to be the number one guy unless he just came out and looked like Hall of Fame Minnesota Vikings Peterson from about six years ago. So when he didn't show that, there wasn't a terrible amount of disappointment. The key here was Alvin Kamara. Nobody expected Alvin Kamara to become what he became, especially so early. And when Kamara was able to become not only that receiving threat, but also lead the league in rushing in terms of yards per attempt and show that he could run inside the tackle, the Saints are one of the few teams in the NFL where they don't just run one running scheme. They don't just run an outside zone or inside zone. They run counters. They run manpower. They run gap. They run everything. And Kamara, as a rookie, is running all those schemes well. It's just it made Peterson expendable, and they left on mutual terms. And Peterson obviously wanted a, a chance to get more snaps. wasn't getting that in New Orleans with the emergence of Kamara, and the Saints already knew they had it in Ingram. So it wasn't all those where there's terrible disappointment. There are some fans who are disappointed because, you know, a lot of fans get stuck with the Hollywood sign and bright lights. It's Adrian Peterson. He's going to rush for 2,000 yards. But in terms of the facility and a lot of – you know, everybody in Louisiana, it wasn't that big of a deal. And we all got a Saints jersey out of it that has the Hall of Famer's name on it. That's nice. Yeah, not bad. Well, it's amazing to think that you still got 3,000 scrimmage yards out of Ingram and Kamara, and they were still fighting Peterson for carries for the first quarter of the season. Imagine what they could have yeah. done with 16 games each. That's amazing. We're talking to Deuce Windham. He's on Twitter, at Rev Deuce Windham. He hosts Hudat Confessional, among other projects. Talking Saints with us here on Lockdown Vikings. As far as the defense is concerned, it's a very different defense than what the Vikings saw in week one. Okafor's out, Anzalone, Klein, Vaccaro. Uh, there's a lot of new faces. Take me through the development of this defense. In what ways has it developed in a positive way? And in what areas is it lacking, maybe because of injury at this point? Well, I think if you go back and look at the first Minnesota game, and I tell Vikings fans this and Saints fans this, don't base your prediction for this week based off what happened four months ago. Right. But it, uh, both teams have changed so much, and not just in terms of injuries, but, I mean, how they've developed as a team, good coaching on both sides. But if you look at the Saints specifically, a lot of their problems in week one wasn't talent. It was very bad mental mistakes. It was P.J. Williams in the slot staring down Sam Bradford and stepping up to the line as the ball is being hiked and allowing a Vikings receiver to just go right past, you know, not even touching the guy, just fly right past. Or, or cover two zone where, you know, rookie DB is not sinking deep enough and allows Kyle Rudolph to be right there at the pylon in the end zone. So a lot of the problems you had were young player problems. Now you come later in the season, I would argue that the talent level of the defense is lower due to injury. You, you, you lost a lot of the guys that you mentioned I mean, you're looking at the Saints now. We have 20 players on IR with half of those being starters at some point during the season, so that's rough. But if you look at the communication level and the coaching and the discipline, it's a much more disciplined team now. So while the linebackers are, are not as strong due to injury, the slot's not as strong due to injury, in terms of communication, there's far less mental mistakes now and what the team has. You're not going to see Crawley and Lattimore you know, making blunders where they miss their man. They're going to be on their man. Now, if they lose their one-on-one, well, that happens to everybody, but it's the mental blunders that have started to go away the further we've gotten into the season that has really helped that defense come on and be one of the better defenses in the NFL, uh, finish top 10 after having a historically bad start to the first two games. Well, the Las Vegas sportsbooks got slammed last week with all the underdogs coming through against the spread. 
Hopefully your instinct was better than most. Everyone rides with the favorites. Sometimes you got to go with the underdogs. And with the unpredictable NFL playoffs finally here, the place that you should be betting is mybookie.ag, the number one rated online sportsbook. Your fantasy football season's probably over. The only way to use your sports knowledge to win cash is by betting at MyBookie, the sportsbook that makes it easy to deposit and even easier to cash out your winnings. They've got odds on everything with live betting and an all-new prop builder. You can create your own bet slips. You think LeBron's going to have 30 points, 10 assists? You can make that bet at MyBookie. Bet from your desktop, your tablet, their mobile site, which is world-class. No hassle, fast payouts when you win. It's great. Join now. And MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Use the promo code Locked On when making your account. Visit MyBookie.ag today. Bet on the Internet's favorite sportsbook where you play, you win, you get paid. Promo code Locked On. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Locked On Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. Explain to me more specifically how the rotation works within the secondary because in the Vikings, for instance, at safety, they use two guys. They use Smith and Sandejo, and they don't bring anybody else in. And then they maybe bring in one extra guy uh, at corner with Mackenzie Alexander to get some snaps. But, uh, you know, you guys, you've got at corner, you've got Crawley, Lattimore, Williams, and then at safety, you're working in, you know, obviously Marcus Williams, Von Bell, and and Bush. Well, we've got a great staff of guys like Dennis Allen, Mike Nolan, uh, Ryan Nielsen, newcomer for the D-line. Uh, you got a lot of talent there on the, from a coaching standpoint. And then that, that's a position where even though injuries have come, they've still been extremely deep. You lost Kenny Vaccaro, and you really haven't seen too much of a drop-off. But uh, to address what you're asking, the Saints play a lot of cover three, some single high, and every now and then they'll go into a cover two. Uh, but you're seeing Marcus Williams mainly take the deep ball. He doesn't come down in the box very often, but they will to change looks. You're going to see Lattimore and Crawley man the outside. Both have done a phenomenal job. I think most people agree around the NFL that if they don't have Lattimore as top three, they have him as top five among young corners and any corner, really. He's had a phenomenal rookie year, and Crawley in his own right, uh, has been a top 20 guy. Now, Crawley's problem is he can get a little handsy on deep routes. So uh, you, the matchup for you Vikings fans out there to watch would be Stephon Diggs on Crawley. If they get that matchup, uh, they, he runs a deep post. You can look at Crawley possibly getting handy, 
you can draw a holding penalty or a pass interference. So something to watch out for you guys. But the secondary will rotate quite a bit. So they'll play a lot of robber where they'll drop a safety into the middle zone just to watch Case Keenum to see if they can jump him and make a mistake. We've seen Marcus Williams do it. We've seen Von Bell do it. And in terms of nickel and dime packages, a lot of times they'll use a third safety instead of a third corner. You'll see maybe Raphael Bush come into the game instead of P.J. Williams to cover that slot position because they run on that rotation. And I try to describe people, it's almost like they're, they're running a triangle and they rotate like in basketball. And it's an interesting way the Saints use their safeties. And they've been doing this for years now, even back to Rob Ryan, where that secondary, especially the safety position, has been the deepest position. So they want to put the best 11 players on the field that they can. And it tends to be a lot of safeties. Now, that said, that also means you are lacking a lot of bulk. You don't have a lot of booty out there on the field. They become more and more prone to giving up a big gain against running backs because of the injuries to linebackers. So that's something to watch for uh, you guy McKinnon. Yeah, I did notice that, that the explosive plays against are fairly high against the Saints, but obviously you guys produce enough explosive plays offensively that it kind of offsets. Uh, we're talking to Deuce Windham here down in New Orleans. You have three depth players on the Saints that are former Vikings, so let me just kind of rattle through those. You've got Zach Line at fullback you picked up from Minnesota. You've got Gerald Hodges and Michael Motti at linebacker, uh, who are basically special teams aces. What would you say the yeah. impact of those three guys has been? I would say if you had to put an impact on it, it would be Lime. Zach Line came in when John Kuhn had to go on the IR, and Line just brings a a grit to him. I mean, even look at him, he looks like that old-school NFL player. He's got that, that back shoulder pad lip on his pads. He just comes in. He, he's got the finger tapes on something. He just looks like a mean mauler, and that's how he plays. I mean, he plugs holes really well, throws out some great blocks, and he's been very helpful in a Saints offense that for a long time – just didn't really use a fullback that much. The fullback was just as much of a receiving option as he was a true fullback. But now they're really trusting in line, especially in goal line situations, and, and bringing him in to play a role that most thought he was just going to be a fill-in when Kuhn went to IR, who you guys are probably familiar seeing when he was with the Packers. Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as Malty and Hodges goes, they are what you said they are. They're both special teams guys. I think Hodges has seen maybe 30 snaps total on defense as just a very – quick spot filling, and most of those all came in one game against Buffalo, which was a game where the Saints won handily and were starting to put in subs towards the end of the game. Uh, but then again, you always need those depth pieces. You can never discount a player because you've got to have somebody step up. You can lose on special teams just as easily as you can on defense. Yeah, Mike Motti, he was a little, kind of a fan favorite here. He had the good hair, had the flowing locks, and he seemed to <laughs> always make some plays when he was in there. And, and I think he's made a couple good plays for you guys, too, even though He's only got 63 snaps. Anyway, Drew Brees, a little more prominent player on this Saints roster. Is, a little bit. Is he going to outlast Tom Brady? Like, what is his appetite to keep playing this game? Obviously, Brady wants to play until he's 45, but Brees is sort of, you know, climbing up there toward 40 and obviously isn't showing many signs of slowing down. Is he the kind of guy, though, that would want to go off into the sunset after a big, maybe a Super Bowl win? Or do you think he's got some more good years? Is he going to play in, uh, deeper into the 40s? 
Well, I want to give you a nugget on Maldi just before we leave, especially yeah. if Minnesota fans love him. Uh, for those who don't know, his father, Rich Maldi, actually played for the New Orleans Saints. So having Michael come is actually pretty cool. We've got a father-son connection here at New Orleans. I always thought those kind of things are nice because they're rare to find. But um, as far as Drew goes, it's actually the opposite of what you'd expect. So a lot of guys you think we're going to finish out on top. But if you listen to Drew, especially in his press conferences the last couple of years, He's basically indicating that he's not going to continue to play if the roster doesn't improve enough to show that it's a winning roster. So basically his mentality is if we have to rebuild, it doesn't make sense to rebuild with me because he's 38 years old. I, mean, I think he's he'll turn 39 Monday, the day after we play our game. So he, <laughs> the guy knows that he's not the future. However, that said, he has made it clear that, you know, if this is a winning ball club, he's going to play until he's no longer able to win. I mean, he's said before, I'll play to I'm 45, all that stuff. And, and most of that is just, even though he believes it, how often are you going to see a quarterback make it to 45? But him and Brady are guys that they're, they're just next level. I mean, the, the workout regimen that he puts himself through, the dieting, Drew Brees in terms of his athletic profile, how he is, it is in better shape than a lot of young cats coming out of college. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to have the longevity they do, obviously, but he does everything humanly possible to keep his body in a position to continue to play football at the high level that he does. And you see it this year in film and tape. I mean, Tom Brady and Drew Brees arguably had two of the best quarterbacking years this year of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, better than all the young guys. I mean, Drew Brees just broke more records, which he seems to find one to break every year. Yeah, I think he could keep going, but it's all determined by how the Saints are doing. Because if the Saints are starting to underperform, he doesn't feel like he has to stay around. You know, just let the team rebuild. But if they're successful, he wants to get as much success as he can. And I think that's one thing I appreciate about him. He's willing to step aside if he has to step aside. But right now, with them winning, he wants to be the one, and I don't think there's anybody better than him to potentially lead the Saints to a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, it sounds like the 11-5 and season might have extended his shelf life a little bit then. Uh, maybe he'll get up to that age 40 plateau next year. Take me through your emotions of watching the 2009 NFC Championship game because Minnesota fans are, are still wallowing in it. It's eight years later. Yeah. The, the sting has not left. What's it like on the other side? Well, let me say this to Minnesota fans. The sting that's there in 2009, just remember that you guys broke our hearts twice. Once in the 80s, first time the Saints getting into the playoffs, and then again in 2000, which was supposed to be, you know, we, we beat the show, the greatest show on turf, and mm-hmm. then lose really badly to Minnesota. So don't worry, guys. I mean, y'all have had y'all's wins that have affected New Orleans, but in terms of emotion, and it's really difficult to describe because when I try to tell people the experience of being a New Orleans fan, there's very few sports venues and teams that I can really point out to in the NFL where the city is tied to the team. And I'm not using that in terms of allegory. I'm being serious. Where how the team goes, the city seems to go. When the team is well, the city's doing better. And there's actually data to back up there. The, the weekends where the Saints are winning, you're not having as many murders in New Orleans. I know it sounds terrible to word it like that, but after the Saints won the Super Bowl, just to jump back a little bit, everybody just seemed happier in New Orleans. I mean, it doesn't matter what your background was. Everybody was a Saints fan, and things were better. I mean, and you're talking about an area that, whether you're talking about financially or the natural disasters that came through over a lot of them over the course of several years that really wrecked and devastated people's lives. This is one of the few things they had to rely on. So 
for the Saints to do what they've never done before. And you got to remember, for us, our mentality for a long time was the Saints are never going to win anything, period. The Saints suck, but we love them because they're ours. You know, they're, they're just part of our culture. So for them to actually make the run, I mean, we're, we're talking about people crying in the streets. There's parties. There's. It was an extremely emotional time where grown men who are the hardest gangsters are 50 years old and crying and bank account managers, just white collar who are crying, hugging themselves, you know, kissing each other's wives, just happiest as you'll ever imagine. I remember when it happened, I was actually out of the state at the time, calling everybody I knew, crying on the phone that the Saints were going to the Super Bowl. So the emotions, the entire city went berserk. And then it was even more so when they managed to win the Super Bowl. The parade that happened in New Orleans was over a million strong. Yet that city is only a population of like 400,000, New Orleans is. So, yeah, it was an incredibly emotional time. We'll see if they manage to get back there again, whether this year or that in the future. It's going to be hard for them to eclipse that first very emotional uh, victory. But, like I said, this is one of the few places in the, in any sport where how the team goes, the city goes as well. They're, they're very interconnected. So it's, it's kind of fun to enjoy and experience. That's amazing to hear. And it feels like Minneapolis, though maybe not to the same extent tied to the Minnesota Vikings, just because of, I think Katrina really galvanized the Saints and the city together as much as anything has. Uh, Minnesota doesn't quite have that. But with the Super Bowl here, with the 40-year-plus drought of being in the Super Bowl, with, with the yeah. various devastating losses along the way, it does feel like if it were to go Minnesota's way, there would be a similar emotional explosion this year um last one for you deuce do you care to hazard a prediction i respect if you want to hold it off for your own programming or whatever but if you want to give us a a soft prediction for this game on sunday that'd be great well i'll tell you man vegas has this one as about a three three and a half point line they feel it can go either way and i think anybody looking at these teams trying to be as outside as possible as being unbiased as possible Truly can see it going odd the way because there's a lot of factors. Uh, if you would have asked me the same question before we played the Panthers, I would have said Vikings by seven. But for the first time this year, the Saints showed that they could do something, and that was win through the pass with the run game completely gone and not have to rely on just being on Michael Thomas. Everybody else stepped up, and Josh Hill, Brandon Coleman, Willie Snead, and Ted Ginn once again had a good day. But Ted Ginn's had good days, but it's been paired where – Maybe Thomas got taken out or the run game was great. This was one where the run game, Carolina sold out to stop the the most dangerous aspect of the Saints offense, yet the Saints offense still shredded Carolina, one of the better defenses in the NFL. Now, I would agree that the Vikings are better, but that was the first time that I can say all year where the offense relied on Drew Brees and the receivers that we have left alone and dominated against a good defense. So this week is one of those where I see it going either way. A lot of things depend on how it's going to, to go out in terms of matchups, you know, how are the Vikings going to do with Case Keenum, McKinnon, Diggs, and Thielen going against the Saints defense, particularly the linebackers where everybody considers a weakness. And then the opposite side, are the Vikings going to sell out to stop Ingram Kamara? And if they do, can the Saints beat them through the air? So I see this being one of those games that's 24-21, that three-point type of the swing, very close. But I honestly can't pick a winner. I think it can go either way. I think both are really good teams. And we're just in a year where the NFC is absolutely stacked. Deuce, love your passion, love your knowledge. Thanks so much for appearing on the show. Good luck to your squad on Sunday. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Why don't you just uh, quick go through the places where people can follow you if they're looking for New Orleans updates? 
Yeah, guys, uh, if you want to follow the podcast, check out what, uh, like he, Sam said, we've had him on the podcast this week already. If you want to check it out, just look up Hudak Confessional. It's on iTunes, Google Play. It's even on YouTube. Uh, if you want to follow me personally, if you have any direct questions, I don't mind. Uh, whatever fan base you're from, it's at RevDeuceWindham. It's R-E-V-D-E-U-C-E-W-I-N-D-H-A-M. And if you want to follow the other work that we're doing with the Scouting Academy, which is just how it sounds. If you're looking to get into the NFL or college football, we offer a service teaching player evaluation. We've got former scouts, head coaches, and GMs who helped us along. Check that out as well, and I appreciate you, Sam, once again for having me on. It's a great pleasure. Yep, great having you, man. It's going to be a great game on Sunday. Can't wait to watch it. Definitely. He's Deuce Windham. I'm Sam Ekstrom. It's our crossover show on Lockdown Vikings. It's been brought to you by mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN for a 50% deposit bonus. We'll have Sage Rosenfels back on the show tomorrow to offer our predictions on Vikings and Saints. Hey, Lockdown Minnesota listeners. This is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Lockdown Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Lockdown Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Lockdown Wild to your device every day.